Tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops, a detective stumbles upon an empty can-filled ship adrift at sea. On board is a smooth-talking Caribbean playboy determined to romance her. The detective begins suffering from crippling flatulence from the Caribbean IPAs. She calls upon an occultist who suspects a beer-obsessed vampire is on the loose. Sounds a little bit like Morbius, right? Not yet, but Leto's day will come. Morby time! Hops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back. This is our 158th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops presented by Wabam Entertainment. We are the internet's premier podcast for bad movies and mostly good beer. Tonight we continue our vampiric hops and blood sucking flops with a movie that further proved the 90s were not Eddie Murphy's decade, Vampire in Brooklyn. Well, this movie certainly does suck. Suck and cut, yeah. I, I tried to like write a one-liner that was around the second cut from Wayne's World. But, uh, so along with me for this deep dive into one of Wes Craven's biggest misses is our resident occultist who swears all people as pale as me are vampires, Chumpzilla. That's a fact. T-dubs, I hate to say it, but you just got that uh, Transylvanian skin tone. I mean, is that racist? Maybe it's racist, but uh, these do seem to be your people. I do look as if I only go out at night. <laughs> that, that is true. Hey, I've seen you get some sun. I've but I, I've yeah. also seen you apply like absolutely like industrial grade levels of sunscreen to play rugby. So it, yes, and like yeah. multiple times throughout the match. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. So. Points of order, you can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and B.O. Flops. And you can find Wabam Entertainment on Twitter and Instagram at W-O-B-A-M-E-N-T. Vampire in Brooklyn, which it should be, is free on Paramount Plus and Amazon Prime. And yes, it is. Not worth your time. <laughs> no. And I can only assume that Captain Cash and Mary McCheese have been you know, converted to your ghouls at this point. So they're probably out doing your bidding and slowly decaying captain cash has lost both ears oh no and part of his nose mm. yeah well you know that will probably help uh with his uh, morbius cosplay for sure you know, in, vamp- in vampire mode because yeah. he can get some prosthetic uh pointy ears and the lack of a nose that'll help so I mean, yeah. that's, a, that's, a, yeah. that's a net positive yeah any word on uh mary mccheese maybe he's just suffering from that uh, that flatulence you described yeah. earlier the, the ipa flatulence has gotten the best of him <laughs> Oof, okay fair yeah. enough he's been relegated to the coffin sleeping room for the remainder of his days oh boy speaking of flatulence and ipas let's talk beer uh tonight we're drinking belching beavers deftones phantom bride ipa because this movie essentially revolves around that caribbean playboy vampire searching for his bride <laughs> yeah yeah uh that's a that's a pretty good uh beer pairing there i mean that's yeah. very apt you know, this when, beer when is uh, this movie. Yeah. named after the 
Ethereal Song by the one and only Deftones, which makes sense. Uh, mm-hmm. It's an IPA with a blend of Amarillo, Amarillo Citra, Simcoe, and Mosaic hops, delicately balanced for the perfectly drinkable mix of citrus and hoppy goodness. And it carries a Captain Cash approved 7.1% ABV. I indulged in a couple of these the other night. And not my favorite IPA, but a solid IPA. Very cool yeah. can. Uh, this is a San Diego beer, too. Uh, so if you're West Coast, you can you can find Belching Beaver stuff. The closest uh, I could find it was Wisconsin. I really thought that was entertaining when I because you sent me a link. When I clicked on the link and put in my zip code, I said, oh, we don't have this at your store, but you can find it in Wisconsin. And I'm like, oh, yeah, let me get right on that. Yeah, you could have just taken a quick quick trip up day trip yeah. you know it's good that's a good like 18 hours easy yeah. maybe 20 uh but i have to admit i'm gonna put in my plug here uh it sounds delicious and i cannot recommend to the listeners enough check out the deftones first album adrenaline it is fantastic it is the best of the quote-unquote new metal albums of the 90s in my opinion it's it holds up in the drumming i've said it before I'm saying it now. The drumming on that album is just outstanding. Deftones, pretty cool band. Anyway, so give us the beer review here. How many bad movies, T-dubs? I'd, I'd go two bad movies. Maybe two and really? a half. I, I think it's Ooh. a good IPA. So Okay. Not my favorite Again, I'm IPA. jealous. So close I'm to jealous. three. You know. Okay. Nice. Uh, the movie, which I don't recommend, uh, was directed <laughs> by Wes Craven, as I said. Uh, welcome back. Uh, of course, we did A New Nightmare, which is a fantastic movie, and this is not. I'd say his work needs clarification, but it absolutely does not. So if you don't know who Wes Craven is, watch more horror movies. But Scream, there you go. Uh, He's the guy that did Slither, right? No. Oh. We love Jason? and miss you, Wes Craven. Jason? No? No. You need to this stop is... now. Okay. <laughs> so it stars Eddie Pluto Nash Murphy as Maximilian. Also, he's Preacher Polly and Guido. Uh, Angela Waller Bassett as Detective Rita Vetter. Welcome back. She was the poor man's uh, Waller or poor woman's Waller in the awful Green Lantern movie that we did on the pod. Oh, yeah. You've got Kadeem, a different world Hardison as Julius Jones. John mm-hmm. Pops Witherspoon as Silas Green. Alan G. Money Payne as Detective Justice, which is a little on the nose, but okay. Yeah. Well, hey, I'll point it out now, too. I mean, you've got uh, Angela Bassett's character's name is Vetter, which is yeah. very close to Vader, which to our German audience will recognize as father. Uh, I, would, and, I thought you're gonna make a Pearl Jam reference, which no, no, no. I think both those uh, the cops' names are kind of on the nose for Justice and then and then uh, Father because it's yeah. her dad. Her dad was the reason she's half vampire, she... or whatever. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, we'll get yeah, into so, the, that uh, again. That yeah, the whole the whole Darth Vader thing has a totally different twist on it if you're fluent in German. <laughs> it's like why why is his name Dad? Oh, yeah. uh, spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and you've got Zakes Oz McKay as Dr. Zico, who's the occultist. And he was on a couple episodes of my favorite show, Oz, where he essentially brainwashes Adam BC and it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Gets into his head. So Vampire in Brooklyn did not meet box office expectations. 
uh, on a budget of 14 million, it grossed under $20 million domestically, which for Eddie Murphy is terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, it earned 35 million worldwide, but that's not a whole lot better. And of course, mm-hmm. as we'll talk about in the plot, there was ideas that this could turn into a franchise of sorts. Why? I don't know. I find it odd that we've done two vampire movies featuring, you know, you got Eddie Murphy, who was the comedy guy, and you've got Wesley Snipes, who was the action guy. They both tried a little, and he'd already done Blade, though. So to Wesley Snipes' credit, he'd already had something like that under his belt. At this point, this was like the first time Eddie Murphy played a villain. Oh, yeah. And that's, like, the bad I guess, guy. why he wanted to do it so bad. Sure. Yeah, which I totally get that. But I just find it's funny they both about have the same Rotten Tomatoes score, you know, even user or uh, yeah. uh, critical, whatever, 12, 10%. Like, I would say this is a better movie than Gallo Walkers, but it's uh, it's still really bad. Considering who was involved, I expected a lot more of this. Now, when this came out, I rented it and uh, I was like appalled at how terrible it was because like any person who grew up in the 80s and 90s, like Eddie Murphy was a comedy god. So, and- so first off, let's, let's do a quick aside here, T-Dubs. Let's talk about Eddie Murphy just for a second. So we did Pluto Nash, which is notoriously bad for all sorts of reasons. Which is worse than this. Which is worse than this. Yeah. This movie is actually a competent film in some aspects. It certainly doesn't work as a, as a whole, but it's a movie. Um and you do see Wes Craven's influence on it, too. I mean, it's it's got some horror to it. But here's the thing. I remember when this movie came out. I remember seeing the advertisements for it. And I just assumed it was going to be an Eddie Murphy comedy. Like this, It's going to be a joke fest. It's going to be, you know, uh, what was the, uh, the uh, uh, Naked Gun vampire movie? Which we'll be dead doing is uh, Dracula yeah. Dead and Loving It. Yeah. Dead and Loving It. I, I just assume this is going to be the Eddie Murphy version of that, effectively, because that's what Eddie Murphy does. Um, I never saw it, but that's just what you, when you saw this movie, that's what you assumed it would be. Even with Wes Craven involved, it was just like, well, it's Eddie Murphy. It's going to be a comedy. And that's what it has to be. And it wasn't, um, which I, I think that probably hurt it because <laughs> intentionally or not, they did try to put a lot of humor in this movie. And it definitely screws with the tone because I don't think Wes Craven was trying to do horror comedy here. Um, and yeah, it certainly no. doesn't, it doesn't work in that self-aware way that Scream did. I mean, Scream definitely had some jokes in it, but um, and the other thing too is you, you talked about the eighties and the nineties, it's Eddie Murphy. We had a certain expectation of what we're going to get out of a movie uh, with Eddie Murphy in it. Here's the thing. If you were of the right age, you had an older brother and or a cousin that exposed you to Eddie Murphy raw. And then you understood that Eddie Murphy's kind of R rated in his comedy. Like he's not, he's not just the guy from coming to America. He's not just the guy from Beverly Hills cop or, uh, you know, trading places. Like he's got a, he's got a blue streak, you know? And that's what really shocks me about this movie. When I actually watched it in reality, and I guess this is the point I'm trying to get to this would have been a chance for him to take this like in an R-rated direction. And he didn't. He he yucked it up the entire time. Well, the R-rated elements of it, and I guess we'll brush over it a little bit in the plot, are just like offensive. Yeah. Like not in a good way. 
Yeah, well, no, and, and again, he could have been a true villain and been a bad guy, and it could have been like a little like mean and nasty, and it wasn't. It's like it's like, man, that was your chance. You could have taken your stand-up routine here and kind of turned it into a role, but he didn't. He just played it kind of hammy. I mean, it was and granted, I think I think you know Eddie Murphy's a guy that makes decisions and choices. He wanted to play it kind of melodramatic, and he did. Well, and to your point, like audiences went to this and they were confused because uh, i was confused yep. he's not funny at all um there's funny elements to it or at least there's attempts at humor uh and he <laughs> is not involved in any of them uh, which is yep. why audiences and critics both hated it now how would you yep. describe this film in one sentence it's, this is a tough one um i would say um i was kind of bouncing back and forth but I, i'll go with it i'll just say like bram stoker's friday Okay, because right. this yeah. came out the same year as Friday, and I'll, I'll just be honest: the 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 John Witherspoon and uh, what's the guy that plays Reinfeld's name? Like both movies released in '95. Uh, effectively, you've got half of this movie that's trying to do a Friday thing in Brooklyn. Yeah, you know, the, the, hum- the, the same tone of humor and the, like the same like we're in the neighborhood and blah 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 kind of jokes. And then the other half of it's like a straight up like traditional vampire lore story. So it's a re and, and it's like two movies stitched together. Eddie Murphy's in the middle of it and he doesn't carry either side of and it very it, well. It neither of it works. Yeah. Like if yeah. I were to describe this and I guess I'll do it as like a movie reviewer and I'd say, get ready to scream audiences because Wes Craven's new movie is a shocker. It's not a new nightmare. It's a cursed production that's never funny and really just flat out sucks. I tried to do as many Wes Craven movie times. <laughs> no, that was good. I liked it. I caught it. I caught it. Yeah. Um, no, it's just, it's just such a weird experiment. It really is. It's like, it's, it, it's, it's a weird, a weird ass movie. It really is. The, the only thing I took away from like reading about this movie is that, yeah, the movie is terrible, but everybody loved making it. Except, well, except for Eddie Murphy, who was miserable people, the entire time. Yeah, I can definitely see people having fun on this because there's a lot of scenery chewing. And, and, and apparently Wes Craven is great to work with. I've, I've also heard that about uh, Wes. And obviously, I, I love Wes Craven. So uh, in reading about it, like the fact that John Witherspoon thought he was hilarious and like the greatest dude was like pretty cool for me. Anyways, let's get into the plot, and I'll be brief because the plot of this movie is terrible. <laughs> Literally, it really is. A ship docks in Brooklyn. After first appearing as a black wolf, Maximilian takes his human form and later saves Julius from a couple of mafioso types he owes money to. Julius becomes his ghoul, essentially his Renfield, except he is rapidly decaying because he had a couple of drops of Max's blood. Hold on. First question here. Is that normal vampire lore? Is that I, traditional? I don't the, the know. Rot, the rotting thing. Is that? I don't know. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it from a horror aspect, but the problem is the movie plays that angle for laughs the entire time. Yes. And it, also it's, like, it, it's so weird because it's kind of, it's kind of horrible, but they just, it's just a joke for the rest of the movie. Point about this movie, not knowing what it wants to be if you get more into the lore of this Caribbean Island where the vampires all had like retreated to and, and I guess in hopes of preserving yeah. their race, 
that might be interesting, but that is so brushed over. Yeah, and, and it ends up being sort of important, but it, it yeah, I mean the joke the joke that they lay out is that you know some vampires had better taste than Dracula. Dracula stayed in the uh, you know in, in the, the European whatever the mountains, uh, yeah, like the, the Caucasus region, whatever they call it, region. Yeah. Excuse me, where he stays in Transylvania. But the the smart vampires went down to the islands. So okay, you know, I I, I like that's an interesting yeah. angle. And you also again with the ghoul, you get a little bit of that Caribbean zombie like you know type stuff. Like there's there's some stuff going on here that could have been interesting to your point. Well, here's a question: Is the Condelario from the Punisher 2004 actually a Caribbean vampire? He has, he's a man of mystic powers. Could be a, like a crossover. I mean, sure. Hey, and then one of the the mobsters that uh, Eddie Murphy kills at the very beginning of the film, he plays uh, Skinner from the X Files. That's right. Yeah. So I can't think of the I don't know the guy's name, but oh, it's uh, Skinner. Yeah. It's, di- it's director Skinner. So, Max, so maybe maybe it's an X Files episode too. Who knows? That see, yeah. Again, so Max has come to Brooklyn in search of a woman who was born in the Caribbean. She is half vampire. So essentially, this is coming to America. But Murphy is a vampire and he's never funny. That's what this movie right. is. I'm not kidding. Literally, he's here. He came to New York to find his bride. <laughs> like, uh, hey, I've seen that movie before. He's sowing his royal oats and eating people. And instead of <laughs> instead of uh, Arsenio, you get Kadeem Hardison. Yeah, well, and and just let's be very clear here. Right off the bat, the movie takes a really weird tone because yes, he does the wolf transformation. He then proceeds to rip out director Skinner's heart, like literally like straight up Kali Ma temple of doom, like in a very awkwardly edited scene, he reaches into his chest and rips out his still beating heart. And then he proceeds to like, you know, fast zombie jump and fly and then tear a man limb to limb. That's after he shot. And then comments that kind of tickled. There is a lot of bad wire work going on here. It's it's shockingly bad, but it's like right off the bat they give that to you, and honestly, he doesn't he doesn't do any of that again until the very end of the movie, practically. Yeah, I mean he he does kill like uh, well we'll get there, but so yeah, Vetter, this woman he's in search of, uh, she has weird visions and stuff, and she essentially think she th- she thinks she is going insane. Um, she meets Max at a club. His charms fail though because Julius is a moron. And that leads Max to eating Vetter's roommate. Mm-hmm. This is blamed on Detective Justice because this movie is very misogynistic and often awful about women. Uh, and this is like the first of it. Yeah, I think we're supposed to like Detective Justice, but he's kind of a dick. He's kind of a dick, but he's, I mean, like he's likable, but at the same time, she's just willing to believe that he's like violently having sex with women across the city. Well, but it, 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 it but I, I, okay. Here's the thing: I didn't get. It, isn't he? I don't. I don't know. I don't, I, I, I don't know. Because they were like he has feelings for her, but it, it appears as though that uh, uh, you know Maximilian is like, hey, no, he's banging chicks. He, he didn't he have like lipstick on his collar at one well, point. Well, I, I think that is all a ruse from Max. Max is doing that on purpose. Yeah. I thought he was because he, he makes comments when he plays the, the Italian gangster. 
namely shapeshifts, which are just, um, I, I, I think it's all lies. Yeah, it's all it's all lies. OK, yeah. I wasn't sure if he was like exposing him because because here's the thing. Justice never really refutes it. He just kind of goes like, ah, man. He never says like, I didn't do that. He's just he just kind of like, well, he goes like, ah, yeah. geez. Like, so like, like, I mean, going to a strip club. OK, not the biggest deal, but like, it's just like a really weird like he's getting called out but he never defends himself he never it's assertively all, defends himself it's all the failings <laughs> of the writing which the whole movie is contingent upon hey don't love this guy he's like a serial player but just be weak-willed enough to sleep with me who's actually evil like, yeah like the, the, the strongest narrative because you know, you're, you're probably going to get to this in the plot but the strongest narrative point in the whole uh maximilian wooing uh vetter is that he poses as the italian gangster to stage a robbery so he can find out what her favorite pasta and wine and, and other it's, things it's so are. bad it's so which bad. which which when that pays off later i'm just like i i can't believe the movie took that hard of a left turn to have that whole robbery scene an interrogation scene just so he could then you know a few minutes later uh, ask her out and and then and you know know what kind of pasta she likes yeah like, so wow that's that's a really that was a really um that was a really interesting way to move the plot just an inch forward yeah so in <laughs> essence right like his so anyway his, his entire plan hinges upon making detective justice look bad none of it mm-hmm. works uh not really. From, from well, here, except, that, except that justice is kind of a dick. And I want to point out now, because I don't want to bring it up later because it's not worth it. He he goes to talk to her before she goes out on that first date with Maximilian. And he's sitting in his car talking himself up. And he gives himself the most misogynistic uh pep talk. He's basically like, you know, oh, it's yeah, it's damn like, it, you damn it, lady, you and your small lady brain need to listen to me because I know what's best. And I'm like, ooh. Ooh, that's wait. It doesn't even sound like the character we've met up to that point. But he no. just goes straight up, like, "Listen here, lady, I'm in charge. I'm going to tell you what to do because you don't know how to take care of yourself." Part part of me wonders if this is like right around. He wrote this after he got arrested in the limo with the prostitute, like, and he was like at the peak of his women hating, weird I, mercurial behaviors. Yeah, I, I don't want to get into it, but there there is probably a. a, a there's probably an unspoken amount of misogyny like going on in the background of this whole movie. Oh, it's it's, it's awful. It, which is is which I don't blame Wes Craven for because I don't think he would have picked up on it. But I will blame Eddie and Charlie Murphy. Oh, hundred percent. Like the writing I think those of this guys, movie is terrible. It's they baked it in there. It, I won't I won't call it subversive, but there is definitely undertones of just shittiness in this movie that are oh kind of gross. When he's Guido, it's which you mentioned it's like unspeakably bad but anyways from so max which is kind of like he plays it for a joke but it's like yeah you know that's actually in 2022 that's not funny no, no, <laughs> maybe yeah. in the 90s you get away with that and people are like ha, 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 it's uh broads right yeah <laughs> you know can't can't live with him you can't live without him ah, you know yeah. it's like uh actually no that's kind of shitty but anyway yeah. moving so, on so max transforms into preacher paulie and does what I would consider an unfunny person's conception of a good Eddie Murphy sketch. <laughs> he talks yeah. about how being he, evil is good, blah, 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 blah. And Rita thinking justice slept with a roommate thing again, comes up censored into a tiff. Long story short, 
and I'm skipping now that entire scene where he's the white gangster Guido because it honestly is so beyond the pale that <laughs> it's it's hard to adequately describe. I will say one good thing about that scene. The makeup effect on that was tremendous. Eddie, Eddie Murphy, unrecognizable, and his mannerisms and voice. If you didn't tell me that was Eddie Murphy, I wouldn't have known it. So actually, that was the pitch on, for, on, for on first movie. viewing. It was a pitch for a movie called White Dicks. Uh, well, that was never made, and they later repurposed the script for White Chicks. So, white Chicks, because he was just a white asshole. So White Dicks. Yeah, I thought that I thought it was going to be the the I thought he was going to be the white guy in Cop Out. Oh yeah. Oh, because yeah, uh, that was that that was going to be Dicks, right? Yeah. Yeah, or that's whatever. True. Uh, but no, seriously, that that was a good makeup effect. And Eddie Murphy, like, say what you will about the guy. Again, it, it comes with age and like knowing him before he kind of flamed out. That dude can do killer impressions. The dude's got talent. Dude's got talent. Now, on the other hand, his preacher Polly getup is terrible. No, no, and, and like he did that in in. Um, coming wow. to america much better he, he'd already done it i mean well arsenio is yeah, the preacher but he's the lead singer of sexual chocolate sexual yeah that's what chocolate i mean which is which is which is basically the same thing as this as this preacher it's the same it's he's the televangelist kind of whatever we've already seen eddie murphy do it better this felt like a microwaved leftover version oh of what it was, we'd seen it was him totally do. yeah 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 honestly. it didn't feel original and it wasn't funny so but anyway hold on this movie sucks yeah, Max ends up go. saving Rita Woozer in his lavish, albeit fake, apartment and turns her, which is just like, hold on, her. stop, 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 stop. Just like he fixes up his apartment and and uh, coming to America. Coming to America. So the last step now is for Rita to feed. She doesn't want to do that. Justice recruits Dr. Zico to help him save her, and they storm Max's place. Julius jump kicks a wall as eye falls out. Max battles Justice and ultimately rita stakes max and for some reason she's in love with him but whatever i can't understate how painful this entire 90 something minutes was the end <laughs> sequel tease yeah um so you, you totally glossed over all the weird body horror stuff of poor poor uh julius um it's like I, watching I, the fly yeah. but shitty um yep. mm-hmm. which we'd already we was, already been done so shame on you Wes Craven uh and yeah they just they, but the whole point of him like rotting and losing body parts like including his dick was just played for laughs like it's not it's not Cronenberg body horror it was like Rodney Dangerfield body horror it, like I the movie's just I, so I just, confused I, I just don't get it and then the stuff with like the the nightmares that Angela uh, uh Bassett's having it's like it's like that's like they try to actually build psychological tension and terror there. Like she's she's having you know these nightmares. And she's she's and, actually dreaming. She's a she's a truth seer. Like she's dreaming the yeah. shit that's going to happen. And and like you're supposed to take that seriously. And then you got this other guy going like, "Hey, my hand fell off. Oh, my dick fell off. Oh, my eyeball popped out. No, oh, you stepped on my eyeball. Oh my gosh!" And it's like. What the fuck is going on? This movie's it's, again, it's like two movies stitched together with Eddie Murphy in the middle. Yeah. So, I mean, that leads yeah. us to how many beers are required to watch it. Uh, I'm a solid oh five beer for this. This is this movie's brutally bad. It took me multiple sittings. It's not that long. 
Okay, I'm going to give it five beers as well, but you have to drink your sixth when the eyeball gets stepped on in the third act. Okay, I can do that. That's a chug that, that, moment. That's it's a actually, chug moment. It's actually one of the funny moments, too, when he jumps the wall and falls over. Yeah, you just have to fucking be like, ah, oh, all right, that was, that was, as dumb as this is, that was actually pretty cool. Because the eyeball falls out and then it gets stepped on. It's like, I, I, you know what? I don't know what I expected, but it wasn't that. But that was kind of funny. Cheers. Kadeem Hartson is really trying to like keep this ship afloat. That's what I will say. I hate to say it, but I, I think his sequel would have been better. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. It, because Eddie Murphy, from all accounts, refused to be funny. Like he did not want to be funny at all. He wanted his character to play it very straight. And that and the character doesn't work. And the all the parts where it hinges upon his character do not work. He feels cheesy the entire time. Like I I, I can only assume he was trying to be like mysterious and a bit menacing, but he was not menacing at all. The only things that were menacing about him were the special effects. When they gave him, when they, when his, his teeth, you know, extended, when they did the stuff with his eyes, when he went full vampire and looked like Morbius, that when he, when he morbed, when he morbed, when he morbed, it gave him a slight hint of being truly evil, but all of his dialogue, anything he did when he wasn't in prosthetics, not scary. He was not oh, scary. He was not menacing. And the wig like, is bad. I, the wig is the, the wig, bad. The wig's, the wig's bad, but I, I, I don't, I know Eddie Murphy's on the record saying he thinks the movie tanked because the, the wig was so bad that people couldn't take him seriously. Which is not at all being self-aware. The movie tanked because it sucks. Yeah, well, the movie tanked is like, we couldn't take you seriously because your performance was shitty. Like, you completely missed the tone. He wasn't menacing. He wasn't scary. It, without the prosthetics, like it just it, like it, everything seemed like a setup for a joke, and then the punchline never came. <laughs> yeah, because right. it's a Daddy Murphy movie. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Okay, so with that in mind, we're going to hear from our brothers in beer and blood, True Blood, over at Hop Nation USA. And when we come back, we've got some lingering questions about this very unfunny mess of a film. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, this is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hop Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. Hello and welcome back. This is the 158th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops presented by Wabam Entertainment. And we are talking Eddie Murphy's disastrous 1995 film Vampire in Brooklyn. So Chumzilla, do you actually have a favorite scene or comedic moment in this film? Well, I will say that anytime John Witherspoon is on screen, it's funny. I agree. Um, I wholeheartedly agree. He, again, like Kadeem Hardison, is like, fuck it. And he improvised most of his lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, is like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save this piece of shit, whether it kills me. Yeah, and like you said, uh, yeah, he really enjoyed working with Wes Craven and uh, had a blast doing it. And, and everyone uh, on the cast, from what I read, 
loved making this movie. They had fun everybody except for Eddie. Except for Eddie, yeah, yeah. Well, that's because he's he's because he's a miserable fuck. And and at that point, I will say I'm I'll take a quick aside here. I do I do feel bad for Eddie Murphy because I feel like you get that famous and like the world gets weird, right? I mean, he was probably. And he's at the height of that throughout the 90s, like just not getting what he can do anymore. Right. And like nobody's giving you honest feedback anymore. And it's just like if you wanted if you wanted to to go make Al my balls, someone would give him 20 million dollars to do it. Like, no, no one's telling him no. No one's really giving him constructive feedback at that point. He's just he's out on an island and he lost his way. So I feel bad for the guy. Oh, clearly, clearly he was told this was the best shit someone's ever read. And he's like, great. Oh, well, awesome. We've got no notes. No notes, Eddie. And he got his brother involved because Charlie helped write it. You know, I just, yeah, I just, yeah, I feel bad for the guy. He he lost his way and he wasn't getting good advice from anybody because at that point, nobody, nobody gave a shit. They're probably still, you know probably taking advantage of him and you know siphoning money off but no i'll go back to the eyeball the eyeball thing for me that stood out for all the crappy body horror stuff and like they played it for laughs when the eyeball pops out and gets stepped on in the third act i'm like okay in a different movie that would have been really funny but it's still funny even in this turn i agree uh now least favorite scene or moment that murphy somehow thought was comedic i'd say it's 100 percent the guido interrogation scene where he is so obnoxious it is hard to describe not only is it obnoxious and and offensively misogynistic at times on purpose though that was the point it was that you know that it wasn't subtle it's just the ham-fisted way that they use it to pay as the payoff it's like really you did all, again like i already I'm repeating myself. You did all of that just so he could like suavely be like, I make killer pasta that you like. But it's so, about, so it's, and then he has a Van Gogh painting in his apartment. It's just so dumb because he does all this and she willingly believes this gangster named Guido who just tried to kidnap her over her own partner. She's like, oh, well, he's telling me you had sex with my roommate. It must be true. Because he would know. Yeah, and the, the whole the whole the whole scene at the cop shop is just like it's like bad sitcom stuff. It's abs- that, it's absolute shit. It's so bad. Yeah, you know, it's really frustrating because in this movie you have this supernatural vampire character with a vampire lore storyline, and then you've got this comedic like relief duo on one side of the story with hit with the vampire in the middle. On the other side, you've got these two straight-laced cops that are basically doing like a law and order SVU procedural type thing. And then you get this scene that you're just describing where they're at the cop shop and the 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 gangster or the robber guys brought in there, and then it just turns into like a Benny Hill episode. It's just yeah, like it's yeah. like it's like it's like it's like B material for a Seinfeld episode of like I, this is this this isn't really plausible unless everyone in the room's an idiot. I did not understand what they were trying to do. Anyway. No, yeah, it's it, tone. The tone very uneven. Worse, Wes Craven flick using one of U- Universal's classic monster as its big bad. Is it this mm-hmm. or is it Cursed, which is the werewolf movie? I've never seen Cursed, but I'm going to assume it's this. 
I will say this as well, only because Curse is very bad. It's very, very bad. Also very totally confused. Why is it bad? It was shot like four times. So there's there's versions of Cursed that will never, ever see it. Like Skeet Ulrich was supposed to be in Cursed. There's a version of the movie where he is in it. But that version is lost to time. It's a little bit like the blood orgy from Horizon. Horizon. So uh, I I guess Shout Factory just released like a director's cut, but that's not even the half of the tinkering that went into that movie Cursed. And it's like one of those things we'll never, ever see what that movie was supposed to be. Because uh, is that free in. somewhere? Uh, it's free on HBO Max, the the mm. theatrical cut, and it is not okay. good. Like it's not really good. bad, but I it's a curiosity at the very least. Where is this? Is just there's no explanation for why this is so bad. I'm still shocked that Wikipedia tries to claim that this was a cult classic. No, I, that's that is highly bullshit. Yeah, highly that, that seems. Bullshit. <laughs> I can only assume that is Who? Eddie Murphy's PR team. What cult is calling this classic? Uh, well, hey, maybe the one from Gala Walkers. Okay, know. yeah. Well, that brings me good segue because on a scale of wigs, where does Murphy's rank in this? Because Gala Walkers, I think, would be the low end of wigs. Yeah. It's worse than uh, Nick Cage's wig and Con Air. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Does it flow? Um, it's not moving like that wig. That wig gets some good, you know, get some good uh, wind into it. So now, if I think if Eddie Murphy had applied some soul glow, might have spruced it up a bit. I'm just saying. I would, but, I, know, would I would watch this movie way more often, as in I'd watch it maybe like once every 10 years. If instead of the stupid wig, he had the soul glow hair from coming yeah, to America, the Jerry Curl. Yeah. So here's the thing though. I don't have an issue with the wig. I know Eddie Murphy again has cited that as, oh, nobody liked this movie because the wig was so bad. I'm like, you know, I, I, I thought it was supposed to be bad because you're a sleazy vampire with the slick back hair. I, I, it's like, I mean, I, I didn't have an issue with it. Was I supposed to feel a certain way about his hair? I didn't, I didn't see that as the problem with the movie. The movie had a lot more going on that made me question. Oh yeah, the wig did quality at all. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's, it's, bad, it's fine. But... It's 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 not good. But was it supposed to be good? Were but we supposed like, to like the villain? Where he's being like, I'm much more concerned that it's not funny than I am with his stupid haircut. I mean, yeah, it was. I, I think it's funny that he fixates on that. And he's like, oh, that's, that's a big aspect of why the movie Bond. Like, is it? But that that's is like, it? that's not accepting your own fault in a product you helped create. Like, you wrote this thing. It's not funny. You were responsible for making it funny. And now you're blaming the props department. But was it supposed to be funny? I think it, I think it was. Like, the fact that they wrote some of these scenes in there, clearly there was supposed to be humor to this film. I mean, yes, I'll agree there. There are comedic beats, but I I don't know. So here's the thing, though. So we already mentioned earlier that this film came out in 95 alongside Friday, and then Scream came out in 96. I hate to say it, but I almost feel like this was like a training wheels exercise for Wes Craven. Because no, I feel obviously like... A New Nightmare was the training wheels exercise. Both, both, because... I think this like gave him new perspective. I think he saw what worked and didn't work with this movie and was able to tweak his approach to Scream because Scream now, so met 
Scream is so meta, and it also has comedic beats to it. Would I say he understood how to delicately balance the humor and the horror because of how this just did not work at all? Sure. I could no, see I'm that. I'm just saying it probably gave him like some, you know, perspective like, hmm, okay, I saw what worked here and what didn't work. So if I do something like this again, I know where to go with it. Well, you have to make your cast seem like real people. That's a big thing. <laughs> yeah, that helps. No, that helps. Um, but no, I, I it's, it's kind of funny because I will say like, I'm not going to call this a cult classic, but I will say there are aspects of this where you see like the genesis of what becomes Scream out of this. Because there well, is there is a hint of self awareness. They, they don't do anything with it. It never really lands. But there's just a bit of a hint there. You know, there's just there's that slight wink at the audience. Just just a just a tad of it. Okay. Well, I don't know. I don't know. It's still. I mean, it's still a new nightmare for me. But here's here's the big question. Sure. Sure. Very quick answer. If you had to hang out with this version of Eddie Murphy for eternity. Would you just mm. stake yourself? A hundred percent, yes. Oh, I'd be I'd be dead within minutes. I'm not I'm not suffering this idiot's um and especially if it's Angela Bassett doing it. Yeah, no. Bass Bassett. By the way, she was at the peak of her power in, in this movie. And she I'm deserved like, a much better film than this. Yeah. And this is like her second second movie. Yeah, this is like a big deal for her. Early for her, Angela uh, Bassett, not Bassett. Is she French? Bassett? Bassett? Baguette? Bassett. I don't know. But yeah, no, she's... she's uh... Bidet. Okay, listeners, we're going to take a quick break. But before we do, you're going to hear from the recent winners of the greatest casket match in history, the Double Turn Podcast. And when we return, it's a challenge for one. It's the evil ass trivia challenge. Oh, my. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Boss Ross. And I'm the J-Man, and we're the Double Turn Podcast. Every Friday, we bring you the best in pro wrestling talk. Whether it's previews and reviews on pay-per-view events, discussing the hottest topics in pro wrestling, or bringing you a look back to some of the best matches and moments in history. We have it all for you. So check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the Anchor app. And you can also give us a follow on Instagram at the Double Turn Podcast. And we will catch you on the flip side. Hello and welcome back to our Vampire in Brooklyn episode of Hops and Box Office Flops. And we are on to the Evil Ass Trivia Challenge. So, uh, Chumzilla, since it's just you, this is a standard five-question multiple-choice format quiz. To chime in, stick with one of the stalwarts, or say, I've already had Italian or old wild hammer shit. So well, here's... I've clearly already had Italian, um, but what am I playing for tonight? Here's the rub. If you want okay. to get the prize, you've got to get three out of the five questions. Okay. So this seems like a wait, wait, don't tell me rules. Okay. Yeah. And what you I are like playing it. for is Kadeem Hardison's prosthetic hand from when he's the ghoul and he loses one of his hands. Oh, Great man. prop. That's, I'm so going to give myself the stranger with that. Okay. Let's do this. I told that uh, skit to my wife earlier, and she thought I was being serious. And I was like, "No, that's from Chappelle's show." Right? Yeah. She's like, "She's like, people do that," and I'm like, "No." Uh, uh, ah, yeah. yes. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. That does not happen, little John. I thought it was very funny though. <laughs> Tell me, Dave. You uh, sit on your hand. 
So number anyway, one, yeah. All right, moving on. <clears throat> this is the second movie in which Kadeem Hardison plays a ghoulish character. What is the other? Mm. Is it A, the Sixth Man? Is it B, Thirteen Ghost? Is it C, Tales from the Hood? Or is it D, The House on Haunted Hill? I'm going to go with C, Tales from the Hood. Incorrect. It is the Sixth Man, where he's a basketball player who dies. And then he's a ghost that helps his brother Marlon Wayans become a great basketball player. Damn Wayne's brothers, you got me again. Yeah. Okay. Number Ouch. two, not looking good for that prosthetic hand so far. That hurts. That hurts. Okay. Though the movie was critically panned. Oh, jeez. <laughs> this is a free answer. Most of the cast enjoyed their experiences working on it, except for who? No, hold on. I don't need the answers to this one. Hold on. I think I think I have ESPN. Um, I think it's Eddie Murphy. hundred percent. It is Eddie Murphy, which we talked about in great depth. Yes. Guess I'm what? taking that straight to the bank. Thank you, T Dubs. Guess that I forgot that was one of the questions. But you know what? I, hey, hey, audience, audience, let's give the Thunderous Wizard a little slack here. I made the same mistake last week on the Gallo Walkers pod. I completely spoiled one of my quiz questions in my cast introduction and i totally knew that i did it but somehow like blocked it from my brain and still went ahead with the question it was painful but they covered for me because it's radio so thanks guys yeah so number three like now it's looking good you only need two two out of the next three hey Uh, here we go so to that point Eddie Murphy claimed in an interview with Rolling Stone that he only did this film to fulfill his contractual obligations to Paramount. Mm -hmm. Thus, the door for him to star in this movie was opened. Is it A, Metro? Is it B, Dr. Doolittle? Is it C, The Nutty Professor? Or is it D, Life? That would be C, The Nutty Professor. Correct. It is. Uh, uh, Hold on. I've already had Italian. C. The Nutty Professor. There you go. Okay, now you you got to get one out of two. So, so who who uh, released the Nutty Professor? Oh, I'd have to look. I don't. I don't. Universal. Off the top of my head. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> not Warner Warner Brothers. Is not Paramount. Paramount? No, not Paramount. Yeah. Not, not Paramount. Not Fox. Not Disney. So. Yeah. All right. Moving on. So number four in October, 2020, 25 years after this was released, this prominent website debated whether or not a vampire in brooklyn was actually good was it a the ringer was it b rotten tomatoes was it c the av club or was it d screen rant i think i'll show my media bias here a bit but i think it was uh, i've i've already had italian i believe it's c the av club incorrect it was rotten tomatoes they have a podcast they have a podcast called Rotten Tomatoes is wrong, and they've discussed a series of movies. I know Batman versus Superman was one of them, and yes, you were wrong, and yes, you can all go fuck yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> but they discussed this, and they ultimately decided no, Rotten Tomatoes was not wrong. Bold statement. <laughs> yeah, big, big, big uh, risk there to yeah. on this one. Like, yeah. Honestly, when they did this, I was like, what is the point of this podcast if you're just going to do movies that actually suck? Like, this movie's not good. Well, right? it's I, not again, good I, think, I think there's this false narrative that's probably Morby related that tries to paint this as some sort of like cult classic. It's not. It's, it's not a it, cult classic. 
there's nothing there's there's no redeeming qualities like you could unearth over time it's yeah it's shit it's just, we've just done, shit we've done some legitimate cult classics it's insulting mm-hmm. to call this a cult classic the thing is a cult classic yep that's a cult classic this is a movie that never airs on any network ever and maybe five people like like nobody's ever said to me, "Hey, man, have you ever seen a Vampire Brooklyn?" Dude, nope. like, not once have like, I had that have conversation. You see, have you seen that one scene? Because because there isn't one. Nope. There's it's, there's nothing to it. This is yeah. you know like Coming to America, as I recall, was not particularly well reviewed. Did very well, but then like that movie took on a life of its own. So much to the point that they made that terrible sequel. But like Which that's sadly, a cult classic. Like people love that movie. People talk yeah. about that movie. People quote that movie. Nobody quotes mm-hmm. this movie ever. Are, there, there, there are no quotes from this movie. It's it's it's, it's that bad. It's it's that bad. It's this forgettable. Is a, this is a movie where Eddie Murphy yells on repeat. He beast fucked her, and you're supposed to like be like somehow like what like uh, this is a funny scene. Again, this was an opportunity for Eddie Murphy to use his R-rated material in a mainstream project, and like it didn't work. All right, so now it's down to the last question. That's um, it, man. All so the marbles. This, this is for all the marbles. If you want that prosthetic hand, this is it. Oh, you know I do. So Eddie Murphy often plays multiple characters in his films. In which of these movies did he play the most roles? Is it A, Coming to America? Is it B, Norbit? Is it C, Bowfinger? Or is it D, The Nutty Professor? Oh, man. Bowfinger, that's one with Warren Beatty, right? With Steve Martin, but yeah, but yes. Oh, whatever. Uh, Ghetto Superstar featuring the old Dirty Bastards on the soundtrack for Bowfinger. Well, and also uh, Warren that, that, Beatty a, is the, that's a banger. the rapping uh, congressman in... Bullworth, which is Bullworth. Oh, that's Bullworth, that's it. Bullworth, which I Bullworth. have the soundtrack to. Wait, no, I bet, I bet actually, I bet, I bet it was Bullworth. It's the soundtrack I'm thinking of. Then had OBE. Yeah, Ghetto Superstars <sighs> on the soundtrack to Bullworth. BB, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Bullworth, not Bullfinger. Oh, Steve Martin, hell of banjo player, Steve Martin. To, Steve Martin out. is one of my favorite people on the face of the earth. Might 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 be. Turns out he might actually be like. The cooler version of Bill Murray. You know, my my sister was at a Padres game the other day, and Bill Murray was there. It's Padres Cubs. I was like, mm, oh, did, Cubs. Yeah. Did you like, uh, you know, approach Bill Murray? And she took a picture of the back of his head. <laughs> like, I, I myself, I don't like bothering celebrities, but if it was Bill Murray, who, yeah, no, uh, yeah, no, I've spent my entire like life loving Bill Murray. I might have to ask bill murray for a photo i i would the only celebrity i've ever asked for a photo was randy moss and he told me to eat shit and i said thank you mr moss for good reason yeah uh, you know, uh no but you know you know what i, I also i thought he'd be bigger um i thought, you'd, I thought, I thought you'd be taller now answer taller, the question oh, <laughs> what's your answer Give, give my answers again okay. jeez I, 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 i'm stalling here google is not helping coming to america terrible a coming to America. B Norbit. Hold on, coming. I've never seen Norbit, so coming to America. It's got to be coming to America because he does the barbershop guys. He does the preacher. Or he does the chocolate 
whatever. And uh, but yeah, uh, I've never seen Norbit. So what's the next one? Uh, Bowfinger, and then no, no, not Bowfinger. The Nutty Professor. Nutty Professor. He plays the skinny version, the fat version. I'm going Coming to America. It's got to be it. Incorrect. It's the Nutty Professor with seven <laughs> characters. Remember, it's the whole it the dinner whole, table. The, the the clumps, the clumps, the clumps. The clumps. Fuck yes. it, the whole family. Fuck. Yep. I knew that. I've seen, I think I've seen that scene on YouTube. God, God damn it. Yep. You should That's know that. Frust- That's as frustrating. A, as a cat person, you know all about clumps and the kitty litter. So ah, see, yep. uh, there's your misconception. Thunderous wizard. I uh, have outdoor cats. They okay. they do their business, they do their business outdoors. So we're on to recommendations. Uh, what do you have on tap for this week, Chumzilla? Um, a terrible movie. I'm going to call out our brethren, uh, our adjacent brethren, over at the uh, Halloween is Forever podcast, which is uh, one third of that podcast is one half of the uh, Hot Nation USA podcast. Um, they were making some jokes about uh, trauma movies this week, and I asked when they were going to do Trauma's the thingy, uh, which is like the also something something about a teenage placenta. It is a absolutely bizarre trauma film, and you know if you don't know trauma, we're talking uh, you know the Toxic Avenger, all sorts of awful schlocky gory shit. But the thingy free on Amazon Prime uh, is the story of a placenta that is raised as a child it might be the single most weirdest movie i've ever seen that's saying something because you watch a lot of weird shit i watch a lot of weird shit um it's not super gory it's not super dark but it is very dark and the ending of it is very nihilistic uh but effectively it was filmed in europe um so the cast it's it's a very interesting cast most of them are amateur actors like no professional actors a lot of people without any screen credits at all special effects are very spartan i would say uh but they are effective and the movie does manage to emote and it does make you care about what looks to be like a plastic bladder that's painted red and being inflated by somebody pumping a a squeeze ball um yeah it's weird it's worth seeing um it is it is a movie i would check it out it's free on amazon prime trauma's the thingy it's worth seeing speaking of cult classics the toxic avenger is one still well loved and i went to see a musical based upon it a few years ago that i thought was tremendous like that's how far into the cultural zeitgeist it actually wasn't grain. Like, plus there's the cartoon and the toys and all that shit. But in the nineties, yeah. I mean, that was that was uh yeah. And the Toxic so, Avenger is great. So hold on. So don't gloss over this there, T dubs. Where'd you catch this at? What city? Well, Phoenix Theater did a production of the Toxic Avenger. And it oh, was nice. It was awesome. I've seen a lot of musicals. I like going to the theater, and uh maybe it was the subject matter. And that I was like, holy shit, it's a Toxic Avenger musical. But that was like my favorite production they ever did. And I went and saw West Side Story and like saw a bunch of great stuff at, at the Phoenix Theater. But the Toxic Avenger one was Fans fantastic. Out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I saw Hamilton too. And I guess obviously that was probably better. But And that was at Gamage or at ASU. But 
yeah for yeah, like right a on. small production where people are playing multiple characters and stuff very cool yeah all right on so my recommendations are twofold or threefold maybe because i've been consuming a lot of media uh first and foremost if you love mad max uh fury road you should definitely read uh Blood, Sweat, and Chrome, which is the oral history of Mad Max Fury Road. And uh, for all you uh, WB is a meddling studio believers like myself, they've, they screwed with that movie. Here's the thing, T-Dubs. I'm going to commiserate with you here for a moment because George Miller and Zack Snyder are similar to me in one aspect. They are both filmmakers that have a very specific vision. George Miller likes to make a certain kind of movie. I think Zack Snyder likes to make a certain kind of movie. And here's where I'll buy into your tinfoil hat conspiracy theory. Both of those guys make the suits at WB uncomfortable because they have a very specific vision. This is what I want my movie to look like and feel like. And they're like, toys, marketing, things, like you're making us uncomfortable. And which kind of sucks because those guys aren't hacks. They've got a proven track record. A legit studio should give those guys enough latitude to, you know, realize their visions. Well, in, but that's cor- besides uh, the point. According to the book, WDB was really upset with Happy Feet 2, which is a weird movie, to be fair. And I don't think it's very good. It, is it? Yeah. Like, it's, it's mm. really like I, I, watch I, I, Happy I, I, Feet 2. I'm not up to date on my happy feet. No. Happy feet is like a typical like <laughs> happy feet is like a typical kids movie, right? Okay. Happy feet two is friggin' weird. Just like okay. Babe Two is friggin' weird. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so are you saying that there's potential that uh, he brought it on himself? <laughs> well, certainly, but like he made bold choices, and uh, for kids movies, they don't exactly pay off. Now, for Mad Max and. I, I highly recommend you read this book if you love Mad Max Fury Road. Okay. And if you go way back to the beginning of this podcast when we did the sci-fi, the sci-fi March Madness bracket, like Ghost Hammer and I, my brother-in-law, love Mad Max Fury Road. We deemed it the best sci-fi movie of the past what, however many years. And it is. Like, yeah. it, it, nobody else could have made that movie. It's an incredible movie. Every, for the most part, everything is practical, in, including the polecat people including the flame shooting out of the frigging guitar, what they did in that movie will never, ever, ever, ever be done again. I can't stress enough. Now, I guess, like, oh, yeah. argue, if you want to, for argument's sake, you'd be like, well, look at Top Gun Maverick and be like, yeah. But at the same time, Tom Cruise is similar to George Miller in that they're going to, they're going to do something how it should be done. They're Singular not going to do Singular vision. Yeah. Singular vision. So there are visionaries out there still. And obviously Joseph Kaczynski directed Top Gun Maverick, but Tom Cruise was uh, really rallying behind, like, we got to fly this shit, which is super cool. If you're doing it at this point with Tom Cruise, are you really directing? Or are you just like along for the ride? Uh, Yeah, I don't know. So my second recommendation is Death on the Nile. Uh, If you like Knives Out, uh, then you should really check out this uh, this film. uh, that, that technically bombed in theaters, right? Uh, Knives Out did well. Death no, on no, Nile no. did not Death do on well, Nile. But that was right. because the pandemic was still sort of going sure, on. Yeah. Uh, 
Murder on the Orient Express did well. And Hercule Poirot is essentially Benoit Blanc. Like Knives Out really just rips off this character and, and, and these stories. Like I like Knives Out. I think it's great. And it's obviously inspired by these. So if you and, like... And, and Chris Pine is the killer, right? If you like great ensembles... Chris Pine's the killer. With a very charismatic lead detective. It, it's not Chris Pine. It's your favorite Chris, Chris Evans in Knives Out. Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. But I won't ruin this film. I really enjoyed Death on the Nile. I also really enjoyed Murder on the Orient Express. So, And, by the way, Army Hammer's in Death on the Nile. And he doesn't ruin it because he sucks in this too. <laughs> oh. Is he... he? He's such a creepy dude. How, Even in he movies, doing? he's creepy. How's he doing? Should we check in on him? I feel bad. I don't want we, to check in on him. We, we kind of shit all over him when we did The Lone Ranger. Like, did he deserve yeah. that? I think maybe. so. I think so. Kind anyway, maybe. Remember, you can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, You know Instagram. what? He, he didn't threaten to eat me. That's true, yeah. So, I mean, I'll give him a pass, I guess. But anyway. So, remember, you can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and Flops. You can find myself on Twitter at WriterTLK. You can find Chumpzilla at Chumpzilla8 on Twitter. Captain Cash can be found uh, collecting his nose and ears at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most social media. And the long gone Mayor McCheese can be found at HBOF McCheese on Twitter. <laughs> Remember, you can also go to wobamentertainment.com or visit them at W-O-B-A-M-E-N-T on Twitter and Instagram. And if you enjoy the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to like, share, and subscribe and share your ideas for future episodes. In the end, listeners, remember one thing. This movie uses the F word a lot and it's rarely funny. We'll see you next week for the next installment of Hops and Bloodsucking Flops, Morbius. It's Morbid time! Hashtag Morbid it. Hashtag more more i can't even more 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 than more problems oh no